0: As we begin our time in God's Word together, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to You this morning grateful for the ways that You already have ministered to us through song and prayer and uh, through the reading of Scripture. And Lord, as we open Your Word to understand uh, understand it and understand Your will for us, Lord, I pray that You would bless us, Lord, that You would give me strength and, and the words that I might speak to these, Your people. Lord, that they might receive it with gladness and go from this place comforted by it. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. I've mentioned before, and it's always a joy to have this experience, but I've mentioned before how amazing it is that God weaves together the elements of our service, our, our worship service, in a way that communicates the same message. And that happens quite regularly. If, if you don't know, you know, Miss Glenda picks the songs, I pick this, uh, some of the things like the responsive reading, and uh, Miss, Kath, uh, Miss uh, April picks the, the scripture reading that we do, and, and then of course I do the sermon. And all, you know, got several people that uh, we loosely communicate with each other, but we don't decide each week. Uh, what what we're going to be reading or or singing or whatever based on what my sermon is but there are times and it happens quite regularly that all that ends up weaving together exactly into the sermon so it's interesting that today pretty much everything that we've done so far fits right in either directly as as you'll see in as we go through this sermon or indirectly uh, from the scripture that's, that that uh, bill read to the the songs that we sang to the uh, the choir special all of it really fits together very well uh, to even the lord's supper that we're going to take here at the end so uh, this morning we're going to continue our study in the beatitudes and we're going to be in matthew chapter 5 we're going to read only one verse today, as we'll do through the rest of our study in the book uh, in, in the Beatitudes, except for the very last Beatitude. But we're going to read one verse from uh, chapter 5, which is verse 4. And uh, so let's begin by reading that together, and then I will explain what we're going to understand from this passage today. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 4 says simply, Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. So from this text today, I want you to see two things. We're going to look at the calamity and the comfort. So we're going to see the calamity and the comfort. So first, I want you to notice the calamity for which God's people mourn. Now, remember that the Beatitudes are a sort of announcement. Uh, Jesus is has brought this crowd, this mixed crowd from all over the Middle East, he's brought them together and he's brought them to a mountain and he stands on the top of that mountain or he sits on the top of that mountain, actually, and he speaks to them and he began begins this sermon that's going to take us all the way through uh, Matthew chapter eight. And at the very beginning of that sermon, he makes these pronouncements of blessing. And what Jesus is doing is he is in effect acting as the new moses if you remember from the story of exodus god calls uh, to, calls moses to go to the land of egypt a region beyond the jordan as we see in matthew chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 and he calls them he calls him to bring his people out of egypt out of the pagan lands, bring them to a mountain where god will give him his word, he will give him his law. And so now Jesus, as this new Moses, he, he sits on a mountain as the great teacher and with his mouth, as with the mouth of God, he communicates the law of the new covenant. He communicates the terms of this new covenant that he is giving to his people. And at the very beginning of that sermon, at the very beginning of that pronouncement of the new covenant, Jesus announces who it is that this covenant is for. And so as we saw last week, Jesus begins by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the the covenant of God, this new covenant that will bring salvation to the world, it is first and foremost for the poor and the broken. It is for those who recognize that they cannot make themselves right before God. It is those who feel the guilt of their sin and realize that they cannot make themselves acceptable, that it is only by the grace of God that they can be received into this new covenant. And so Jesus announces at the very beginning of this covenant promise that those who come in repentance, recognizing their guilt, recognizing their sinfulness, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus moves on, as as Charles Spurgeon points out, like rungs in a ladder, he takes a step up. So it's not just the kingdom of God is not just for the poor in spirit, but now it is for those who mourn. Now, both of these statements of the poor and the mournful, they bring to mind and they echo the promises of an ancient prophecy. There's a in fact, the ancient prophecy that we have in this text that jesus is is alluding to in this text was the very first sermon that Jesus preached in Luke chapter four. It's the prophecy given. In Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. And if this doesn't give you chills, I don't know what will. Isaiah prophesies some 700 years before Jesus ever was born, he prophesies this The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor and to comfort all who mourn. Isaiah's prophecy looks forward some 700 years to this very moment in Jesus' ministry. So what does Isaiah and Jesus mean when He promises that the Messiah will bring comfort to those who mourn? Now there are four reasons that we find in Scripture for why we mourn. We find that we mourn for guilt. We mourn for death. We mourn for injustice and we mourn for judgment. So first, the people of God mourn because of our own personal guilt and sinfulness. James chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says, Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. You see, those who are broken by their own sin... Those who recognize that they cannot earn their way to heaven, they mourn for their own guilt. They mourn for the ways that their sins have affected other people. They mourn for the offense that their sins are to God. And they mourn for the ways that their own sins have contributed to the corruption of this world. But second, the people of God mourn the fact that sin leads to death. In Mark chapter 16, verse 10, we find that the resurrected Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene and to others, and we find that they are mourning because Jesus has died. You know, it's quite telling that humans mourn death. It ought to teach us something that we mourn death. And it's telling that we mourn death because if we're to believe the atheist, Death is just a natural, meaningless thing. Everything dies, right? Everything from your cat to yourself. Everything in this world dies. And it's one of the most basic facts of life that you will die, right? Is the two two facts of life, death, two certain things in life, death and taxes, right? Um, So, uh, there... Death is a certainty. Everyone experiences it. You experience it from the beginning of your life and witnessing the death of uh, of plants and animals to the end of your life when you face it yourself. And even to sustain life, other things must die. I'm sorry to tell you if you're a vegan, but even vegans kill things. When you eat that fruit, the fruit dies. But... Death is needed in this world to sustain life and everyone faces death. So why do we mourn when it happens? We mourn because it's not supposed to happen. We mourn because it's not right that it does happen. I've never met anyone. I've never met anyone. I've never counseled anyone. Who has lost a loved one, who said, "Yeah, it's about time. It was good. You know, I, I have sat with people who had lost a loved one, who languished for years under uh, you know, as a, a, a paraplegic language for years in a coma, and then finally passed. and that person that lost that loved one didn't say, you know, it was good. They said, I wish I had another day with my mom or my dad. Because death isn't supposed to happen. Death isn't supposed to be a part of this world. We mourn because as Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says, God has put eternity into man's heart. We know that there must be more. Third, the people of God mourn because of injustice. In Esther chapter 6, verse 12, we read that Mordecai was standing at the king's gate when he overheard a terrible plot by Haman that is in which Haman intends to commit genocide on all the Jewish people. And it says that when he heard it, he went home and he mourned. You see, sin has not only brought death on this world, but it has brought injustice. There is the injustice of racism which devalues those who are made in the image of God simply because of the color of their skin. There is the injustice of lust, which values people only for the pleasure that they can bring. There is the injustice of greed, which takes from others so that we might have more. There is the injustice of deceit, which conceals or distorts the truth so that others believe a lie. There is the injustice of Many other things that we can think of in this world, whether you've had injustice done to you or whether you've done injustice to others, we can think of immeasurable ways that men and women hurt other people in what we do with our sin in this world. And we mourn. The ways that these injustices destroy our humanity. In fact, that is the very thing that we sense today as we think about our country and we think about the independence that we have and we think about the rights that we have and we ask that we pray for our country. The reason we do that is we recognize that even in a country that's free, even that in a country that is governed by law, the rule of law, even in a country that has a bill of rights, there are still injustices that rage every single day. And we pray for a better union not because we believe our country is perfect and we want it to be more perfect, but for exactly the opposite. We, believe, we recognize that our country is full of injustice and we want it to be a righteous nation that does the will of God. Right. So finally, the people of God mourn because of judgment. In Lamentation verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 4, we read that the very roads leading to Jerusalem, mourned because God had judged the nation of Judah and driven its people into exile. Those who recognize the severity of their sins, those who recognize their own guilt and the guilt of the humanity at large and the injustices that we commit, we also mourn because those, we recognize that those sins, those injustices must be punished. We mourn because we uh, know that impending judgment is coming for the world because of sin. We mourn because of the unrepent, unrepentant friends and family members who will be judged and cast into everlasting darkness. We mourn because judgment is coming over the sins of the world. So considering those reasons for mourning, it's hard to imagine how the mournful could be blessed? How could you say that someone who is grieving loss, how could you say that someone who is wrestling with guilt, how could you say that someone who has experienced injustice, how can you say that someone who senses the judgment of God bearing down on this world, how can you say that those people will be blessed? We can say that because Jesus announces that those who mourn will be blessed With comfort, And Jesus has brought that very comfort to those who trust in him. Now, our English word for comfort doesn't really do the idea justice here in what Jesus is saying. Comfort, if we talk about comfort, it could mean a pat on the back or it could mean an embrace. It can mean a letter or something like that. It can mean a number of things. But in the Greek, the word is parakaleo which means to bring alongside. It's the idea, idea of me seeing you over there weeping and mourning and me walking across the way putting my arm around you and offering consolation. It's the idea of a compassionate, consoling hug and a weeping with, a mourning with, an identifying with, and an offering of consolation and comfort. That is the idea of comfort here in what Jesus says. In the coming of the kingdom of God, Jesus has brought us this kind of comfort and He addresses every reason that we mourn. Consider the ways that Jesus addresses every reason that we can mourn. Jesus offers comfort for the guilt of our sins, first of all. Romans chapter 10, verse 11 says, Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame because Jesus has paid the full penalty of our sins on the cross we are now reconciled to God there is no more guilt we stand before God as children who are welcomed by their father second Jesus also brings the comfort uh, comfort in death in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 and 14 he says or Paul says we do not grieve as those who have no hope for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep You see in Christ we have hope for those who have died in Christ and we have hope for our own death as well. Because Jesus rose again from the dead, we know that He has defeated death for us. And there will be a day when Jesus Christ will return in all of His glory to call us to new life in Him. uh, Thirdly, Jesus brings comfort for injustice. Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4 says, Behold... The dwelling place of God is with man. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For former things have passed away. Seems like we just saying no tears in heaven now, right? Uh, So in this world, we will face persecution and injustice. But we can do that knowing that there will be a day when justice will come. Every wrong will be righted. Every wound will be healed. We sang at the last hymn that we sang was... Uh, um, I, well, now I can't recall the last hymn we sang. Uh, my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord, right? That, the, that song... It was a song of the Union soldiers as they marched into the South. And the intention of that song, behind that song, was that they were bringing justice. It's interesting that the last, uh, the last verse of that hymn ends with, uh, the he will make the earth his footstool and the soul of wrong his slave. In other words, those who do wrong will be the slave of God. Those who are, uh, uh, are committing atrocities and committing injustices, they will be the ones who will be slaves bound in hell because of their injustice. And we sing that song because we look forward to the day when God will bring total and complete justice. And there will be a day. When God will judge this world in righteousness and when he does, he will bring about total and complete justice. Everything will be, every wrong will be righted. Every wound will be healed. And finally, Jesus brings comfort in that judgment or for that judgment. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus' righteous life and sacrificial death and through faith in him, we have been declared right before God. The great judge of the universe looks upon us and he declares not guilty by the work of another. Actually, he doesn't just declare not guilty, but in the most amazing work of grace through Jesus, God looks at us and he declares righteous by the work of another. Of another, Jesus has taken the full force of the wrath of God for guilt and injustice. So now we have peace with God through Him. So friend, would you have comfort for the guilt of your sin? Would you have hope for life after death? Would you know the comfort of a future complete justice? Would you have peace with God? If you want this comfort, you must turn to Jesus Christ in faith. Won't you do that today? Brothers and sisters, we have comfort in guilt and we have comfort in death. We have comfort in injustice and in judgment because Jesus has overcome all of these for us. We have comfort of God with us. In the presence of His Spirit. And we are called as God's people in this world to go out from this place and take the comfort of God to a lost world. We are ambassadors of Christ as we leave this place and we bring the good news of God's reconciliation with man. We bring the good news of forgiveness of sins. We bring the good news of the future judgment that will bring righteousness in this world. We bring that good news to this world and we bring comfort to those who are poor in spirit. Comfort to those who mourn because we bring the gospel of Christ with us as we go. So may we leave this place and carry the comfort of the kingdom of God with us as we go. At this time, we're going to take part in something that Jesus established for us as a means of our comfort in this world. We're taking part in the Lord's Supper, which was given to us as a reminder of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. A reminder of His death, and a reminder of His resurrection, a reminder of His future return. And this supper that we take is meant to be a consolation, a comfort to us in our lives as we seek to follow Christ in a daily uh, walk with Him. So I'm going to invite the deacons to come forward and help in administering this Lord's Supper. And as we do, won't you join us in taking comfort through this supper?